Welcome to Headline to Table. This is a D&D podcast where I force our resident dungeon master, Wes, to create a campaign, a one-off campaign based on a current or historical event. I am your host, Christopher. Is that about cover it, West? That about covers it, Christopher. Good. I'm glad you're happy. If you've listened to this show before, what I typically do is ambush West with a story. He doesn't get to know what they are. He doesn't get any say in what it is. He doesn't have any say in this one either. But there's a he knows what I'm going to say because it came up as a joke during our last campaign that we recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were recording the uh, Sword Fight at the OK Corral episode, two of our pawns, Jordan and Parker, were talking about uh, the Kellogg Company uh, mm-hmm. and that they were selling their Keebler. They were at least exploring an auction or a sale of their Keebler brand of, of cookies that they had. And I heard them say this, and I said, yes, that's your campaign today. You will be the Keebler elves. Mm-hmm. You'll be playing that part of the <laughs> Keebler elves. Now you're not out of work, you know, and just kind of made a joke out of it and then told them, no, that's not, that's not actually what we're doing today. But later I thought, I actually do want to do that. Yeah, so enough, enough time has passed. I don't think they'll see it coming. They certainly won't know. In fact, I would really like the pawns to be specifically those two. Um, they won't know that that's the campaign, but th- it will be somewhat familiar to them because I made the joke in front of them previously. Yeah, when we unveil it, they'll be like, oh, uh, I'm a pawn. Fuck me. Right. <laughs> so that's usually what – that's all it sounds like. Yeah. When pawns are talking to me, it sounds like the grown-ups in the Peanuts cartoon. Womp, 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 yeah. Womp, womp. Well, that's yeah. The, when I, I have a hard time listening to and editing this podcast because I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so uh, – that's what the that's what I want you to adapt into a story. There's the Keebler elves, the Keebler as a brand being sold or dumped or auctioned or something uh, from the Kellogg Company. I already know a little bit, but look, can I just get a preliminary check-in on what you already have in mind? For yeah, this? I haven't done a whole lot. Obviously, I'm thinking elves. So the, the Keebler the elves will be the the Keebler elves. The Keebler elves, but you know, not the literal Keebler elves. Where get, there'll be some kind of proxy. Yeah, for I'm the thinking. I'm thinking they will be. It'll be like a Elven Forest Kingdom, the okay. the the forest realm of Keebler, and they are the sons. It depends on how many we have. Like the two or three sons of the of the king of the Keebler Forest, and they've been you know harnessing the tree for this magical sap that is used all mm. around the realm for mm. magical purposes. That's their economy. Yes, their export and, is the uh-huh. sap. Okay, and they're. I took a look at a couple maps. I want to make this whole village in the trees. Okay. Their forest realm has always been protected by the prior king, but that king has since died, and the new king has opened up bidding for claim on that forest, and both the dwarfs and the orcs will both be coming in to take over the... An invasion, a hostile takeover or yeah, something. Yeah, it's going to be a hostile takeover, and there's going to be three sides, none of which are friendly with each other, and it's up to these Keebler elves to defend their land by any means possible. <laughs> it's going to be a do a little bit of fluff at the beginning, I feel, okay, but okay. it's very much going to be a defend your castle type situation cool. where they're in the trees, they have all these cool natural effects, and 
natural features they can use to their advantage, and it's up to them to make the most of it. Well, so they'll have a very specific goal here. So I think that's also why I think it would be funny to pull in those specific two pawns because they were privy to this joke. They were the ones talking about Keebler. So we're, not, we're not reusing those pawns because we don't have any other friends, <laughs> if that's not, what you're thinking. Yeah. I think that's enough of an intro here. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
she whispered something and it turned out uh, the rod just wouldn't move. Uh, no matter how hard she tried, no matter how hard that the village tried or her animal friends. She even turned into a black bear to try to move it. She couldn't unless she spoke that word once again. So it's pretty powerful. She loves it. Nice. She has no idea how it works, but it was a gift from nature. And she thinks it's her spiritual journey to uh, use this rod for good. So we'd actually offhand in our last uh, recording, we had mentioned this, but we never really talked about it. And me and Chris secretly kind of pulled to the side and figured we would make a campaign out of it and have you do it. The current event is the recent takeover of the Keebler brand cookies. <laughs> For thousands of years, the elves have lived in relative peace in this beautiful forest of Keebler. Benefiting from its mystical splendor, above all else, the magical properties of the forest itself. The berries and vegetations that it harvests year-round, and the sap given from the trees called Sandy Sap. Within the larger realm, the Keebler Elves have had good relations besides occasional skirmishes with outside dwarves and orcs who would want the magical trees for themselves. As this is the leading export of the Elves, as its magical properties are used to make potions, craft spells, and imbue weapons with magical properties. The ruling king of the larger realm, Felog, has long deemed the forest to be worthy of his protection. He unexpectedly died though, and his treacherous son, Omir, has taken the throne. He has taken bribes from both the clans of dwarves and orcs to turn a blind eye as they besiege the forest and take whatever they like only permissible on the night of the full moon, one day from now. Word has reached the Keebler Forest that the dwarven clan of Durergo and the orc clan of Krostus are on their way there from the east. Though they may thin out by fighting each other, your father Kiblaris has ordered the elves to evacuate the, to the west. As the two siblings of Kiblaris, you have declared to stay and fight it out, with a small faction of your comrades. You have the mysteries of the forest at your advantage, along with a collection of traps. Kill or be killed. Your dad is the ruler of the Keebler Forest. Okay. And so he has evacuated, leaving only you two and your eight comrades who refuse to leave to defend the, the Keebler Forest against dwarves and orcs. Um, you'll see here on the map I did, uh, which we'll throw up online, uh, you have two the two large Keebler trees, which your sap derives from, um, grow up linking together, and these enormous trees have enough room to have crafted fortresses on. A large stairway leading up to planks, ladders, and stairways going up. On the top of the left one is your holy family sigil. On the top of the right tree is your temple and place of worship. There's a small marketplace on the left tree. Uh, there's a mill where sap is created on the right and different uh, platforms that are used as defensive strategic positions. You will be tasked with defending this fortress against the oncoming orcs or dwarves. Does that uh, map make uh, all right sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the resources are, that are at your disposal are four snares, three bear traps, two drums of oil, 
Eight flasks of explosive sap derived from the Keebler trees. And a sap webbing material, 10 feet by 10 feet, which, if put on the ground, restricts movement to one half. You also have the natural resources around you. You have the river in front of you with a single bridge crossing over it. You have a waterfall that actually goes backwards. The river goes into the pond and the waterfall shoots up into the cave, sending it through a narrow cave chute. You also are privy to information from a large network of fungi spores that cover the forest. You are able to get information and ask questions of the fungi network all over the forest as they communicate instantaneously through each other. Sounds like some druid nonsense I'd be into. Yeah. The the uh, <laughs> Quit the eating pl- us, please. <laughs> We're not all hallucinogenic. I know it because the plants told me. <laughs> there is uh, one bit of a wild card. Uh, there is an old ancient stone giant who sleeps on your grounds. He's always been allowed to be there. Back in his earlier days, he was a fierce warrior, referred to the, as the infamous Armos. One of the most violent of all giants, but has since turned his life over to a life of peace and sleeps in between four stone statues over on the left side of the map. He does not plan to engage in this war, though it may be worth talking to him. And just for clarification, the evil king of the realm, Omir, has agreed to turn a blind eye on protecting your forest for one night only. So this upcoming night, the night of the full moon, is the only night these dwarves and orc have to attack you. So you can, if you make it through the night alive and not surrender your stronghold, you will reign victorious. So I'm going to give you some time to set up your to set up your uh, battlements, ready yourself, kind of make a plan of attack. And um, you can go from there. What are you guys thinking? You guys have any questions? So the only place that someone could enter the fortress would be through the main entrance here, right in the middle. On like through like on the, foot, oh, the there is a lift there. Okay. That is operated up top. The trees are very high off the ground. Those first platforms are probably 50, 60 feet up off the ground. So it's not likely that anyone could climb that scale that tree, but. Especially on, on foot, weakling dwarf. On foot, it looks like the only uh, route in is that giant ancient stairway leading from the ground up to that center plank. You guys good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Well, so first off, um, Zuki, uh, she knowing from well, do we have an idea that this is happening? We, yes. we do. Okay. You, your your family and the rest of the city is just left. There's a few shop owners in the marketplace that are still leaving themselves available to provide you with anything you may need, but they plan on leaving before nightfall. The only ones who plan on leaving or staying through the night are you and your eight compatriots. I want to go and check out the woods to see if I can find something cool like a deer or a boar that I can maybe befriend. So go ahead, um, make a survival check to try and uh, track, see what you can find. Ten. So three plus seven. You see a, um, you see the tracks of a possum. 
I roll towards the possum tracks. All right, make another survival check. 20. Boom. You find a possum up in his tree. He's uh, going back to sleep. I, like, look at the possum or, like, roll up towards it. Um, and I, uh, I try to, uh, I want to use like an animal handling to try to, uh, get closer to it. And I, I hold out like some food from the like, possum that I know would eat. So mm-hmm. I find some like berries in the woods and be like, <laughs> okay, give me an animal handling check. Yes. Another plus seven. Ooh, 18 plus seven. So you're, so he kind of looks at you suspiciously at first and then sees the berries you have and. He's not sure if he'll like them, but he kind of etches a little closer, and before you know it, he's he's eating them right out of your hand. I start uh, uh, start petting the creature. You're a pervert. Zuki Fairhair forms an instant bond with the possum, who she names Sawdust. Meanwhile, back at the Keebler Tree Fortress, Zuki's brother Echo is preparing in a different way. Uh, I know there's a a mighty foe coming this night, and it's obviously up to me and me alone to stop them. So I'm going to look <laughs> at my small quiver of 20 arrows, and I'm going to make my way to the, the marketplace. Sure. And to see which uh, arrows will what I can take. Sure. So you go in. Um, it's, it's basically a ghost town. A couple people strolling around, most of them packing up. You go into the, uh, the weaponsmith that you've been in thousands of times before, it is a trusted man named Theron. So it's Theron's weaponsmith. You enter and you see him kind of stacking some boxes up on top of each other. Echo! Echo! It's nice to see you. If I was a little younger and a little better health, maybe I'd stay with you. But I think it's best I follow your father out west. What do you need? I require arrows. Oh, let me see what I got. Let me see what I got. I got, uh, I got ten arrows. That's not enough, Theron. I need to save the world tonight, and you're telling me to do it with only ten more arrows? I don't, I don't know what to tell you, my friend. I, I think the barkeep is still in town, and he's not bad with a bow. Maybe uh, he's got some of his personal quiver he might be able to part with. I'll uh, I'll snatch the ten arrows out of his hand, and I just walk away in a in a harumph. <laughs> I want to make my way to uh, this barkeep. Okay, you head to the bar, and I I want to approach the barkeep. And slam a ten arrows down on the barkeep and say, I need this times a thousand. <laughs> he, he looks at you. He's like, are you sure you don't want a beer? Just packing it on up. Only the uh, the most desperate of drunks are still here. Where's my sister? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there soon. Last I saw her, she was eating some mushrooms and got naked and started dancing on the table. I'm confused. What do you what do you need, Echo? I need arrows. And for you to stop telling people about my sister. We know that she has her You're right. You're experiences. Right. It's not my place to But uh, the fair hair name is still in charge around here. Because um you know, unfortunately I don't sell arrows and you know, the only arrows are my personal ones. Well I had no intention of paying for them, so hand make over a, your stash. Make an intimidation check. <laughs> this is gonna be a problem. <laughs> Uh, that's a two minus one, so one. He rolled a three. Um, he goes, he goes. You know, uh, you know. Maybe I could part with a couple of them, but you know, I. It's a it's a long road out to our outpost in the west. You know, I feel like I might need them. Don't you think? Well, I, I guess you could, or 
this evening when the orcs and the dwarves overwhelm and destroy your poor bar, I'll make sure that uh, they steal everything in here. <laughs> make another intimidation check. That's a four minus one. He goes, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying my goodbyes to the shop. I'm going to kind of lean in my strengths here. Uh, can I try and distract him and use my sleight of hand to steal the arrows from him? The arrogant Echo manages to steal a portion of the barkeep's arrows. After, Echo and Zuki get word through the fungi network that the incoming dwarves will arrive at the Keebler stronghold soon and make some hard decisions about their resources. Tonight? I don't, I don't know. What, t- what time is it right now? Wait, does it matter? Because time is irrelevant. <laughs> are you high? What else are you supposed to do before a battle? I very obviously scoff and then roll my eyes. Like and overdramatic. So, oh. so I look over I look over Retina Echo. Detaching eye and roll. then I uh, I do kind of like uh, airplane motion with my hands and then I like do kind of like zigzag Whee! and um, I have sawdust like run up and down my back and I was like, "Look what I found. I found my buddy." My lieges, I honor your preparations. But me and the others, we we agreed to stay and fight with you, but what should we be doing? Well, were you were, weren't you classically trained in the uh, military arts? We all are. I'm proficient in my longbow and in the scimitar. If we were to put the the gallons of oil all along the stairs going down, don't you think that maybe we can light it on fire and burn the stairs down so nobody can come up? That would be one option. Although if we did need to escape. Our only other way down would be the the lift. There will be no escape, because we will kill them all. Okay, should we get started on it now, then? Should we light it on fire? Uh, yes. So they uh, they head out, and they spend the next, uh, you know, hour or two. And while, well, when, sure. when, first off, before we do that, I look over at Echo, and I was like, Hey, you know that, you know that giant homie that's over down there? Of course. I think he likes possums. And if we can get him to understand that he'll be saving the possums, that he'll be able to fight with us and hold off some of the orcs and dwarves. I hope he likes rabies too. That thing is disgusting. (laughs) Don't be saying anything about my friend. This is sawdust. (laughs) Sawdust is looking at you all nasty like. Sawdust doesn't like you either. He loves you just like I do, but doesn't have to like you. Izuki, you can be in charge of convincing the old giant to fight on our side. Well, then I grab the list of all the rest of the items that we have besides oil barrels, and I hand it to you. I was like, well, then figure out what to do with this. I don't know what any of those things are. Those things hurt animals usually anyway, so it's not my problem. So are you guys uh, both rolling down to the giant, or just you? I'm going to go start setting up the rest of the traps. Okay, so um, you can kind of uh, mark on... Either map where you'd like to put your traps. Here, I'll let you do that. So, I want to roll down to... What was the giant's name once again? Infamous Armos. Alright, so I roll down towards Infamous Armos, and I am uh, gleefully playing with Sawdust. Like, it almost seems like I'm utterly serene before the destruction, or the possible destruction of my homeland. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I pop a I pop a red cap real quick too, <laughs> because I know that. Make a Constitution check. Nineteen. 
Nice. So you so it doesn't upset your stomach at all. You get in a nice little the colors become a little bit more vibrant. Everything's kind of popping out at you. It's really a beautiful moment. The mix of adrenaline and uh, hallucinogens in your system, system right now really, really has you in a good, good spot. Armos. So I roll up on Infamous Armos. Infamous Armos, the most famous infamous of the Armos. How are you? The large bundle of rocks that doesn't even look like a body at this point slightly kind of shifts and moves and then goes back to what you presume to be sleep. I use my. So since I'm still telepathically communicated with. Uh, um, sawdust. I do a little. I connect with sawdust real quick, and I was like, "I want you to run up and down him and tickle him a little bit. See if he'll uh, <laughs> see if he'll wake up." So he starts running up and down uh, the giant, uh, infamous Armos, and you hear. A, he starts stirring in this bundle of rocks. All of a sudden, you see one arm stretch out of it. Another arm stretch out, and then a big, misshapen, stone-like head kind of turn up, and he goes, mm, you brought me dinner. And he starts reaching towards the possum. So sawdust. I look at the possum real quick, and I was like, all right, roll back towards me out of his range. Roll a uh, dexterity check for the possum. Do I even have possum stats up in this bed? Just, uh, let's say it's a plus one. We got ourselves a ten. Seven. So the possum barely um, escapes his clutches as it runs out of his little stone circle he keeps. He goes, oh, come back, dinner. Come so back. there's more. There's dinner where that came from. The possums aren't tasty, but have you ever had a dwarf before? I have had several dwarves. They're you know, there's hairy and tough meat. It's delicious. Well, then. There's quite a few dwarves. What about orcs? Have you ever had an orc before? I love the sounds of their bodies as I squish them with my feet. But never eat an orc. Well, it sounds like there's a joyous occasion coming this evening that you might be privy to. I want you to help us. Help you? I've done so much for so long. All I want to do is sleep. Well, first off, all you ever do is sleep. For for thousands of years, I wandered the lands. I've been everywhere. Well, first, second... I settled here because your ground is soft. Do you know what... Do you know what dwarves do with stone giants? They chisel you into statues of their victoriousness over your people. And their Mm. delicious little bodies will dance (laughs) upon the rocks that you were born into. You help us, that won't happen. If we fall tonight, you will be done and turned into a statue. And they will parade you back to their dwarven homeland. 
and you will be crying for the rest of your ages, and the stone giant gods will look sadly upon you. Make a uh, persuasion check. That's an 18. 18? 16. Yes. Fine. Young elfling. What, what is it you ask? We ask that you help us. And you can eat as many orcs, or excuse me, dwarves, and pop as many orcs with your feet as you can. Okay. I will sleep here, and when the fighting starts, I'll probably wake up and join you. Have you ever had a red cap before? Like a red-headed person? Yes. I, t- I, I, toss, him, I toss him a few red caps mm. from a bag. Mushrooms. Pop, pop these right now. You'll have a good time. He he, he eats them and kind of rolls over and goes to sleep. And, like, and lets out a bunch of guttural, pleasurable noises and falls back into his deep slumber. You look back to see the flames of the ancient thousand-year-old stairway blazing behind you as it all it takes a while but after a few hours of hard fire it drenches it uh, falls apart and crumbles to the ground echo what are you up to so i've been distributing the rest of our traps Ooh. so uh you'll see that i've put some of the flask the explosive flasks on the uh stairways which I, I blew them up so the fire wouldn't spread to the main trees. Oh, nice. Yep. And gonna... then I added some bear traps on the bridge over the river. Mm-hmm. And then next to the elevator, that's the word I'm looking for, next to the elevator on the side, I've piled the rest of our traps. Mm-hmm. So we still have a couple traps left and six explosive casks. And then for the sap, I've done my best to smear the sap around the bottom of the trees to make them harder to climb. Got it. The Fairhair siblings spend the remaining hours before the siege apart. Echo Fairhair works with the eight remaining warriors to craft arrows, while Zuki goes to the bar and pounds some ale until a party of invading dwarves is finally seen in the distance. You see a sizable group of dwarves stop just before the bridge. Um, Probably about ten of them, with a single dwarf leading the way, ordained in beautiful gold plate mail. And a smaller contingency, maybe of six dwarves, just on the other side of the river. It seems they've uh, they've, uh, trespassed the mountain up from the east, and they're uh, sitting just outside the tree clearing far enough away that the giant doesn't seem to see them. The one comes in and blows a mighty war horn. I am Adric of the clan Durero. You will surrender and leave these trees as they now belong to our clan. I, uh, I standing, I'm standing on the first level, but clearly mm-hmm. being visible to him, and I have like one hand on the tree, and I've let my hair down so it's blowing in the wind, so it's looking really dramatic, and mm-hmm. I say, this is our land, <laughs> but I like, clearly like lower my voice an octave and yes. be gone from here. 
He goes, my, my axe has tasted orc blood today. Don't make it taste elven. I look back and I yell as loud as I can. What are dwarves going to do with trees? Y'all can't even climb. We don't need to climb it. We will dig from the outside in, stripping it from every ounce of magical sap that lies within it. Does that mean you just, like, suckle on the roots of the trees? You just, like, lick them? Chop it into pieces. Put it through a strainer. Smash it together and extract every drop of sap we can. Sounds like you're making things up now. Nope, that's it. <laughs> so you're just one big giant. I myself calendar? am not going to do this inside of my. You person. make it sound like only you and just you do this. Are you not part of a clan? Woman, are you high? What is going on? <laughs> Arm yourselves! And um, he sends a couple. Uh, he sends the uh, regiment in front of him forward. He steps off to the sides. His armament starts uh, crossing the bridge. Uh, You see the four of them behind him seem to be pulling a wagon full of something. The ones in front, what have you placed on the bridge? Bear traps. Bear Bear traps. traps Two of them actually snag dwarfs doing eight and ten damage to each. And so two of the dwarves there are held up on the bridge just holding their wounds and trying to get these bear traps off the other eight make a run up towards you they're covering a lot of ground they're probably about two three hundred feet away i want to i want to use my plus one longbow twang Mm -hmm. to uh can i identify like the dwarf that's most in the middle of the pack and i actually get a bonus for attacking people in a horde too so i can attack twice and then attack again because i'm attacking somebody in a horde Advantage or uh, so another attack? Just an extra attack. Okay. All right, so I'm rolling to shoot that orc. Or the dwarf? Dwarf, excuse me. That's a 12 plus 11 to hit, so... You hit? Which is one uh, 5 plus 6, so 11 damage. And then I get a roll again for my second attack, which is a 16 plus 27 to hit. Mm-hmm. Then another 9 damage. All right. And then I'm going to use Horde Breaker, which is a... Uh, perk of my archetype uh, once in each of your turns when you make a weapon attack you can make another attack with the same weapon against a different creature that is within five feet of the original target within range of your weapon nice that's a crit oh shit Whoa. natural 20 win twang twang <laughs> nine plus eight seventeen Seven. nice so the first one you shoot goes down and dies he takes two arrows right to the chest. The other one gets hit and pretty well wounded, but he continues to go. As they get a little closer, the dwarves on the east side start engaging. Half of them run right by the giant before the giant realizes they're there. And the giant cuts them off and starts um, attacking four of them who are there. So he has held up four of the dwarfs that are running in. The other two, um, or the other group, of dwarves continue to uh, uh, press on and they take shots at you with heavy crossbow. One of the dwarves' crossbow shots grazes the hallucinating party princess Zuki Fairhair and another hits Echo in the side. 
Zuki casts Goodberry to heal Echo, but he insists on rolling an investigation check to ensure they're not drugs before eating them. As the battle rages on, our heroes notice the dwarves in the back building some sort of structure. So yeah, neither of you really know what's going on. It seems like some dwarven ritualistic shit you've never seen before. They take red caps, they might have solved this problem already. <laughs> so they start stacking stuff on, uh, start stacking these strange uh, red and black rocks on top of each other. Alright, the remaining five are taking shots. Two of your compatriots take damage. So one takes seven damage, the other takes twelve damage. One against Echo, fair hair. Five plus five is a hit, right? Twenty? Yep. So you just take two damage. So, 11 misses Zuki, fair hair. Your uh, compatriots let go a blast of, uh, of longbow shots down at the dwarves. Yep. Fuck them dwarves. Dang, 20. So they kill one of them. So it looks like uh, uh, five of them hit, all hitting one. Uh, and one of the uninjured ones now gets riddled with elven arrows and drops to the ground. And goes down. All right, Zuki, it is your turn. Okay, so um, in front of me, is there any ones that are grouped within five feet of each other? Yeah, the center three are. There's So there's two stacking stones and one shooting arrows right next I, to it. To the ones that are stacking stones, mm-hmm. um, I have a range of 120 feet. I'm going to cast Call Lightning on them. Okay. So that is in a five-foot radius around, so I'm assuming it hits both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need to make a... Um, a deck save of 15 or greater, or if not, they take half damage, and it's 3d10 damage. Okay. So I'm just going to roll 3d10, and they'll take half or full. They both take full. 11 damage. 11 damage each? Yes. Alright, so they get charred up, and they... And I hit the stone thing, I assume, as well with it, too. Yeah, you hit the stones, but it doesn't seem to do anything. Some of them kind of topple over, and then the ones that got hit just continue to start building on top of these stones again. I see if I can like back up behind like a like a crate where, or something. Where specifically are you? Um, I would assume that well, if the guys with the stone are like right here, is that what mm-hmm. they're? Yeah. Then I'm like right in here. I want to if there's like some sort of crate or something. I want to see if I can like move behind a little bit. Um, I'm going to roll a d20. Above a 12, there is something for you to hide behind. Nope. I rolled a 7. So, no, there's nothing. It's pretty uh, empty. It's just a platform there. It is Echo Fairhair's turn. Um, real quickly, though, it looks like the giant has taken a good amount of damage, actually, but he has killed uh, one of the dwarves he is fighting over in the east side. I want to uh, shoot at the group of the three dwarves in the back. Mm-hmm. That's a 23? 22, excuse me. 22. And now I'm going to cast Inserer Hail of Thorns after this while roll for damage first. That's 8 damage. So 8 damage. That one was already wounded, so one of them goes down dead. So the Hail of Thorns can still apply. Mm-hmm. So they all have to make a dexterity saving throw. Anyone within 5 feet. They both rolled 2s. 
Okay. So they all take 1d10 damage. Roll it up, dog. Four. Four. So they both take four, so now there's two stone stacking bitches are up to 15 damage on them. And then I'm going to take my second attack, which is a 18, 29 to hit. Barely hit. Eight damage. Eight damage. Okay. One of the stone carriers goes down. You shoot it right through the back of his neck, and it comes out the front as he tries to grasp at it and just falls to the ground, lifeless. Uh, you can echo is just grinning with himself, twang. but in like a twang, 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 twang. I know. I need, to, little, I need to hear more of these twangs going on. And he does a little like shoulder shuffle back and forth as he's just like twang, 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 twang. <laughs> as uh, Zuki hears the twangs, you just see like she's trying to hide behind somewhere, but she just has like thumbs up. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I know that sound. Hiding behind her possum. Echo, aided by his bow, twang become a target of the dwarves, who shower crossbow bolts down upon him and his unit of elves. One nameless elf soldier goes down, and Suki Fairhair retaliates by casting Moonbeam on the dwarves, forcing them into dexterity saves every turn to avoid searing radiant damage. Infamous Armos the Giant finishes dispatching the dwarves in his area, and sits among them to devour their bodies. Echo devises a plan to pick off the dwarf leader while they're on the ropes. For the the dwarven leader in the back, how far behind the rest of his compatriots is he? Uh, quite a ways, probably like 100, 150 feet. If I were to sneak down using the elevator and try and get around behind him within bow shot, is that something I could do within, you know, a turn? You could probably take a shot at him now. You'd be disadvantaged because of uh, the distance. distance. But you could try to sneak down. Okay, I'm going to take a shot at him now. Okay. It's a 26 to hit. And now you're disadvantaged. 17. 17, so you miss him. So you have to take the 17. So he's wearing this ornate gold plate mail with a shield and a hammer. And he sees the arrow coming in. He just dink, puts up his shield and and uh, deflects it and yells out. He's like, is that the best you got? And he slams his hammer on his shield. And uh, you hear him call out something in Dwarvish. And the rest of the dwarves start to fall back to his position. I, I look at my compatriots that are on the ledge with me, and I, I look at them and said, "I I know I wasn't going to hit him. I just wanted to uh, make him make him make him know that I I knew he's back." Make there. a persuasion check, <laughs> or is this a deception check? Or deception, or whichever. Oh, no. Doesn't matter. That's a crit fail. It's <laughs> a crit fail. Technically, that's a zero. <laughs> one minus one. They you see a lot of them scoff and kind of snicker to themselves. They were like. You'd be a lot more useful if you actually tried to hit him. You could have ended this war right now. But, uh, uh, you know, like, glory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I want to use the rest of my movement to, uh, sulk off to the ledge where the elevator is. (laughs) And I'm going to cast silence around me. So no one can hear your cries. (laughs) You wouldn't know because they're <laughs> casting silence. All right. So you go over and you cast silence around you and no one can hear you inside and you can't hear anybody outside of that. You see the dwarf walks in um, 
starts walking up by himself up to the stacked stones that are there. And his voice seems to be amplified as he walks up. It seems like he's speaking at a somewhat normal volume, but you, you can hear him all right from the ground. He goes, well fought. I can do this all night. I've got em- enough men to spare. Though, why don't you leave with your lives? Coward off. <clears throat> Scurry off to the west with the rest of your folks. So, he walks up to the... And he walks up and he stops. So he's saying all this as he's walking up. And he stops right in front of these stacked stones. He goes, I'm warning you. This is your last chance. He picks up his hammer, and he starts swinging it, and he comes down on the stacked stones, and as soon as he hit it, you see a bright light of orange and red as he starts screaming out, and he starts growing and growing and growing, and eventually, you are looking face to face with a full-grown fire giant. Okay, roll initiative. 18. 19. 10 for Mr. Giant. Alright, Zuki. What would you like to do? You were met with a probably about a 50 foot fire giant. I definitely use my concentration to move my moonbeam on top of him so it'll take damage mm-hmm. next time. And then I scurry to the side because stairs are manual. And okay, so you scurry to the side close to the stairs so that you can take the stairs if you need to? Yes. Okay. I'll say the fire giant is... Its head is probably about 10, 15 feet below the platform. I, uh... (laughs) I wipe the tears from my eyes. Now or never, Echo. And I take the elevator down the bottom of the tree, and I want to get kind of to the far side of the the big tree on the right, Mm -hmm. so I can shoot at him from below. It's turn. You're one, you're two, three through four, your compatriots. Tax your compatriots. He hurls a big rock right at the platform, the compatriots on the right, kind of by the lift. And he throws a big rock at him. 16 plus 11, that is a super hit. So they each take 20 damage. This huge rock, covered with this, looks like a huge rock that had been pulled from a fire as it has embers coating the outside of it. And as it hits them, embers kind of dust up. Um, It doesn't seem to catch the tree on fire or anything, but it is ominous looking. It is now... Oh, actually, your compatriots' turns. Uh, They take shots at him. Two of them hit, doing uh, 14 damage combined. Echo, your turn. Uh, So I want to keep making my way down the elevator around the tree so that I'm just far enough around the tree that I can see him, but I'm not, you know, within plain view. Sure, you're able to get to that position this round, and you can take a shot. Okay, and I want to. I want to shoot at him. It's a twenty-six to hit. That's a hit. Seven damage, and I'm gonna strike again. Uh, for Colossus Slayer, does that apply if it's this round? So basically, if someone's damage, I get extra one d eight, or would it It'd only be the apply next round? Next round. Okay. Yeah. Let me use my second attack, which is a twenty-one to hit, and that is eleven damage. Nice. As this happens, you see a bunch of dwarves, um, maybe about 15 more dwarves, have come out. A couple of them holding drums are sitting on the edge of the forest, chanting, Drug! 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 
drunk, 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 drunk. Uh, Zuki, to you, it kind of sounds like they're saying drugs, so it gets you a little excited, but it is now the uh, fire giant Drog's turn. On a one, he attacks Echo. Two, he attacks Zuki. Four through six is compatriots. Roll the two. So he sees you, Zuki, running up, and he lifts his large sword, and he's able to swing up and take a shot up at you. So armor class plus two? 17. So 17. He has a plus 11 to hit. I'm going to die. He hits you. He om- 19 plus 11. <laughs> Shit. I'm falling. You take 22 damage. His sword comes flying in. He lifts it up and boom, explodes the crates around you, getting you right in the chest. You have this deep wound, but you're able to roll out of it. The battered elves chip away at the fire giant from their stronghold. As it slowly weakens, they receive ominous news from the fungi network. Um, Echo, your turn. Uh, I'd like to commune with the fungi. Okay. And I want to see, are there any orcs in the woods that are heading our way, or is it just the dwarves? The fungi tell you, you've seen strange creatures across the treetops. We can't explain. To the west, heading this way. I'm going to uh, make my way towards those small creatures where the, where the fungi says those strange creatures are coming from. This way, off towards the waterfall? If I'm heading that way, I want to first then cast uh, Pass Without Trace. Okay. So that's a 12 roll plus 5 for my base dexterity, so 17, so 27. He's not seeing you for sure. All right, so you're just sneaking around? Yep, I want to head towards wherever the, the strange creatures that the fungi said were. Okay, so it is now La Giant's turn. He is um, taking a swing at your compatriots. 15 plus 11. Takes another swing. Yeah, two of them go down dead. Alright. They take shots at him. Three hits. Take 21 damage. So he's looking a little worse for wear, but he's still up and standing. Alright. It is now Zuki, your turn. I want to see if I can head towards the... Try to run towards the Magical Sigil because um, from what I can remember that this is where the more... That I can feel like I felt powerful as a kid. Like, I'm not 100% sure about the magic what's going down there, but I feel like if I can try to commune with it that I might be able to help out and beat the fire giant. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into the tree spirit. Okay. So you're tripping balls. <laughs> So you head up. Um, so yeah, you continue up the uh, staircase. You're able to make it up to uh, the next section of the staircase up above the uh, marketplace. Okay, cool. Echo, fair hair. I'm still going to make my way towards the strange whispers in the treetop. So yeah, you um able to kind of make your way behind the fire giant. And you're kind of you're kind of sneaking through the brush and the trees, kind of moving from tree to tree. You're super stealthy at the moment, so no one's seeing you. All right, any other action you'd like to take? Uh, I want to again commune with the fungi mm-hmm. and ask, 
heading the right way. They go, yes. Uh, can I do a perception check to see if I see anything strange in the treetops? Sure. Eight. Womp womp. No, you don't notice anything. All right. Giant tosses his rock at the remaining four. Throws a rock at the rest of your compatriots. Misses them completely. All right. Compatriots. Two of them hit, doing 14 damage. Getting mangled up a little bit. Your compatriots are doing good work on them. You have like a little elven outpost there, and they're just firing, you know, getting four to six arrows in them every round. Zuki, you continue your courageous uh, retreat up the I tree. Use, I use my, I turn into a, I'm like, I look at saw or sawdust, and I'm like, sawdust, hold on. I turn into a panther. Okay. Ooh. And I use my full dash action to run as fast as I can. Make a uh, perception check. 17. Okay. So you hear something. You don't see anything as a panther. You're, you hear this... Spider monkeys. You hear the... You hear the sound of... Um, Wings, it sounds like, but you can't quite spot where it's coming from. So I, so I'm able to go fifty or a hundred feet since I use an action. action. Um, so. You're able to get up to the top because as a panther, you're kind of able to like spring and kind of bypass some of the steps and just go up the roots of the tree. Do I feel Roughly. like super powerful and magical up there? It seems like a nice place. You went here a lot as a kid. It's um, the holy sigil of uh, your family is up there. Um, you. You feel like an internal strength, but nothing as far as like a newly found magical power that you've gained. But yeah, it feels nice. And you're also a panther, so you're sleek as fuck. So, <laughs> tis true. Uh, all right, Echo. Do I do I notice the strange creatures? You don't roll perception check. The crit fail. No, you don't notice anything. I get very frustrated. And I feel like the fungi are lying to me. <laughs> so I uh, turn around and I draw my arrows and I see the weakened giant and I say, this is my time to shine. And I fire at him. So he's going to roll to see if he sees you. Nope. So you get advantage on attack. It's a 14. Well, you get advantage. Roll again. Ooh. That's a 30. Nice. There you go. Yeah. 7 plus 13. And then since he's already taken damage, um, he gets an extra D8, 1d8 damage. Mm-hmm. Another 5. Nice. Thanks to my Colossus Slayer. And then I'm going to do my second attack. 26. It's a hit. 9 damage. Nice. And I want to cast Hail of Thorns. Go for it. 2. Damage. So you barrage him with three arrows and a hail of thorns that comes down on him. One of them gets him right in the knee, and you see him, he actually falls to one of his knees, and he's <sighs> he's coughing blood out of his mouth, dripping down his beard onto the ground. And at that moment, uh, the thing you heard, now you can see. It is a large. Kind of hard to explain 
dark flying, looks like a giant bat. And it seems to be carrying, has these huge talons. I mean, you know, 20, 30 foot talons each. And this large bat creature, and it swoops right over the top of your guys' battlefield. And all of a sudden it releases. And as it releases, several orcs fall out of its clutches. Three of which falling on top of the giant. Three are dropped onto uh, Echo. And five are dropped on the pla- on the stairway below Yuzuki. And this thing, as soon as it sweeps in and drops them, it van- it uh, and it also drops two with your compatriots. And it sw- swoops off. Dive bomb. All right. Roll initiative. Again? Actually, no. I'll just have them roll initiative to join the uh, pattern. So, 12. The orcs that have uh, dive bombed the fire giant, it only had two hit points left, and they are just cutting it down, and they're riding it all the way to the ground. No, my glory! (laughs) The history books. You guys write the history books if you survive. Uh, Your compatriots go. They engage in battle with the two, so there's four of them with the two orcs there. So they're able to do some damage to a couple of the, uh, to a couple of the orcs. Zuki, it is your turn. Um, is there one of the, is, so I rolled down to one, or to the orcs, and so what I do is, how wide are these stairs that they're on? They're pretty narrow. They're probably like five foot wide. You guys have made them. So I I use a bonus action as a panther. I turn back into a regular druid, Uh and I cast gust of wind to see if I can blow them off. Oh shit! (laughs) I'm like, so this huge gust of wind comes from your hand. How does the uh, spell affect? Do they make a save? So, yeah, each creature that starts its turn in the line, so it's a 60 feet long, 10 foot wide blast uh, direction of you choose for the spell's, dura- for the spell's duration. Um, so I just, like, I'd lay, I, like, pop up above them, like, of, on the stairs above them, and I push them so they push out. Okay, what's the save, DC? So- uh, 15, and they need to make a strength save. Strength or save. Or be pushed 15 feet away. So they have a uh, plus 2... Fail, 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 pass. So one of them passes it and doesn't get moved away. Uh, four of them fall. I'm going to roll a d20. Um, high is they can resist the fall or they don't fall too far or they fall in a favor. Well, because I'm thinking right now, since I'm right here, they're like right below me. Like, I don't know how far they fall because if they get pushed out 15 feet, how are they going to catch onto the stairs yeah. below them? Yeah, it's a good point. Because I'm at the top. Well, I'm going to say they fall about, what's that, 70, 80 feet down to the platform <laughs> below. So that's going to be 86 damage. Yeah, they all die, man. <laughs> that's why I always nice, take the fall damage break. Nicely done with the gust of wind. That was sharp. Yeah, so uh, four of them fall. <laughs> And smash into the into the. Because you uh, said four jumped on me. Five. There five are five. Four okay. got affected by the gust of wind. Okay. Okay. Did they fall all the way to the marketplace? They fell all the way to the marketplace. <laughs> this little orky went to the market. <laughs> all right, um, Echo. You are you are um, approached by three bloodthirsty orcs coming at you with curved blades. 
echo unleashes twang upon the interloping orcs, obliterating them in a hail of longbow arrows. Meanwhile, up high in the trees, Zuki Fairhair faces off against the only orc that didn't fall victim to her masterly gust of wind attack on her last turn. It is the orc who is one-on-one with uh, Zuki, enraged seeing his tribe members fall for such a for such a simple ploy that you led them into. He comes screaming with blood rage at you. 19 plus 5, I assume is a hit. That's a hitter. 6 plus 3, so you take 9 damage. You up to 24 damage on you. It is your compatriots' turn. They are able to kill two of the orcs that are actually coming off of the fire giant. Um, it is now Zuki. So, um, what I want to do is the orc that just hit me, I whisper to Sawdust and I like go for his eyes. Jump on him! Okay. You're, uh... Do you think I sh- So I'm look- I look through here real quick. Um, the closest thing I can see is the stats for a possum would be like the stats for a cat. Like a house cat? I'm going to say it does 1d4 damage. Okay. No pluses. It has a plus one to hit. Okay. It gets advantage because I'm in telepathy. Oh, get him. <laughs> get him. Ooh, that's a 16 hit. 16 hits. Nice. He jumps on him. Got that three damage. Three damage. So, Echo. You have two wounded orcs and one fresh orc on you. I'm going to uh, lock eyes with an orc on the left that I did my second attack with. Ooh. And I said, prepare yourself for twang. Twang. And I draw my bow and I let loose at him. It's a 21. This is the one you hit last time? Yeah. Okay, it's a hit. Ooh, max damage. So that's... Here, say twang one more time. Twang. Twang. He dies. Uh, I'm going to turn and I want to strike the other wounded orc. Okay. This one has five damage on it. It's an 18. Uh, that's a hit. And that's 13 damage. 13 damage. And Still then, alive. Yep. And then because he already has damage against him, uh, he gets the Colossus Slayer bonus. So he gets mm-hmm. another 1d8 damage. Dude, that thing's awesome. Five. So he's looking pretty beat up. He's not twanged yet, though. Twang. Orcs go. The two on you. The one you get beat up is for the Krostis. And and he swings at you. 19 plus 5 is a hit. 7 plus 3. So you take 10 damage. He hits you pretty squarely on this time, cutting you across your chest. So you have 34 damage on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, next one attacks. Uh, 8 plus 5 is a miss. And uh, you killed the other one. So up to the orcs. Um, the two remaining orcs up there with your compatriots. Miss and miss. They both miss the elves and the elf on, or the, sorry, the orc on you, uh, Zuki Master, uh, swings its curves. Oh, actually, I'm going to say one, two, attacks the possum. Three, four, attacks. The possum you. has a name. It's called <laughs> Sawdust. Uh, it attacks you. 
Misses. Six plus five, 11 is a miss. Mm-hmm. All right. It is now the elves' turns. The three remaining elf compatriots turn to the two orcs on the platform with them, unleashing their bows. One being a hit, two hits, third one is a miss. They take... One of them goes down dead. The other one takes a fairly deep wound. So there's one orc still on the platform with your compatriots. Zuki, it is your turn. Okay, so what I do is I talk to, I tell uh, Sawdust, I was like, jump off, jump off toward back to me. All right, he's going to make a dexterity check to make sure he doesn't accidentally fall the other direction. Roll the 12. I'll say it's good enough. He jumps and kind of lands at your feet. All right, then I like, poison spray. Poison spray. I'm a poison oh, spray this yeah. Mmm. That's a nine. No, that's a that's a hard miss. So you move, he kind of just sidesteps it, and you kind of spray into the tree. Echo. With my trusty twang, I'm going to strike the orc that I uh, attacked last round. 29 to hit. 29, it's a hit. 13 damage. He goes down. So you're, you're fighting pretty close combat, but you're so equipped, well-equipped with your bow that you're able to kind of move and kind of shift your body in different directions that you're still able to shoot in a close proximity. So we got one orc without damage fighting a fairly heavily damaged echo down on the grassy floor. We have a one-on-one or a one-on-two battle of the ages up up at the very top of the uh, Keebler tree uh, between Zuki and sawdust the possum against this r- savage orc. The compatriots are fending off the two, uh, now the one remaining orc on the ledge with them. They seem to be making short work of them. Now it is the orc's turn. The orc on the ground next to you, Echo, seeing his fallen tribal members at his side, screams out with drool coming down its orcish fangs dripping onto his chin. Swings at you with his rusty curved sword. 11 plus 5. What is your armor class? 16. It hits. 5 plus 3. Take 8 damage. You are up to 42 damage on you. How much you got left, buddy? 8. Woo! But they're like a really good 8. Oh, okay. Solid. <laughs> Solid. Strong nice eight. 8. Now for the orc against you, La Possum. And so I'm going to say it's a rare... I was going to say it's unlikely that it's uh, he attacks the possum. But possum's going to be one. You're two through six. It's six. Attacks you. Um, attacks you with its curved sword. Armor class is... What is your 15. armor class? Fifteen? Yep. Attacks. Rolls a one. Woo! Let's see how bad it is. I'm going to say if it's below a five... I'm going to say if it's below a five, he falls off the stairway. If it's uh, higher than that, he's either going to drop his weapon or fall on the stairs he's on. If it's above like a 10, it's not going to be any. Just a normal miss. 7. So he falls at the stairway below in front of you. So he's sitting there on his on his uh, belly looking up at you. And he is uh, in a prone position. Alright, it is the orc's turn down with your compatriots. 
takes a wild frantic swing. 17 plus 5 is a hit, doing a total of 6 damage. But your compatriots seem to be holding strong. Compatriots. Compatriots, it is your turn. Hit. Crit. Yeah. You uh, you see down at the corner of your eyes, one of your uh, compatriots shoot an arrow right into his chest. The orc falls down on his back, and the others surround them with their scimitars and start hacking him up. And as they do so, they give a wild cry. Zuki's turn. All right, so I notice that this orc is on the ground. First, I want to try to poison spray it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get this poison spray to land. Do I get it. advantage since he's on the ground? You do. Okay, so that's a 17 plus... Seven, 17's a hit. Their okay. armor class is 15. So it's normally 1d12 damage, but at level 5, yep. you increase it. So it's 2d12. That's pretty solid. Alright, we're doing 9. 9. And then after that, after a poison... I yell at Sawdust. Like, 25 damage. Just like, attack him! Alright, Sawdust goes. That's a, That's a miss. That's an 8. Yeah. Sawdust misses. Though his courage is admirable. <laughs> Echo. Your turn. So, looking down at the one remaining orc in front of me, and I oh. sneer, taking into account, probably not even recognizing that I'm pretty close to death, I drop Twang aside and I draw my rapier mm-hmm. and I do that like little thing where uh, you draw the line on the ground in front of you uh-huh. and then you whoosh, 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 and I like flourish the sword in his face and then I attack him nice Ooh. I imagine like a Ooh, uh, like a uh, bullfighter like a, yeah, yeah. Spanish bullfighter yeah. routine it's a you know, it's a it's a hand wielded weapon but somehow I put a lot of hip into it yeah <laughs> So it's uh, really an extension of your pelvis, <laughs> as most weapons are. <laughs> so that's an uh, eleven. Two plus eleven or two plus nine? No, it's a miss. And I use Ching! my Bounces second off his... There we go. That's a crit. Oh, yeah. Twenty. There we go. Roll that rapier. It's a five. Roll plus again. Six. So five plus six is eleven. And then one plus six, seven. So 18 damage. And then he also takes an extra 1d8 damage for Mclaussen. Because I, I injured him last round, yeah. correct? Yeah. So he takes an additional four damage. So it's, ah, that hit really got to him. He like cut him across his belly, and you see some of his guts kind of like hanging in his stomach, but he's just holding with one hand and still coming at you with his other, with his nasty curved sword. He lunges at you, Echo. Rolled a two plus five is a miss. Uh, the one on Yuzuki up in the trees comes at you. Eight plus five is 13. What is your armor class? It's 15. Boom. All right. Your compatriots, they start, um, they start uh, leaving the... You don't really see why, but they, they look like they're uh, going from their... Uh, Platform over to the lift. They seem to be running over towards the lift. The lift that goes up or down? The one that goes down. Okay. Um, actually, both you make a perception. Uh, that's 16. 11. You notice something from the tops. You see some fighting going off in the trees. The dwarfs were a little thinned out when they first got there, but there was probably about, you know, 
10, 15 of them left by the time the, their leader uh, turned into that fire giant. Mm-hmm. But you can see some elves are fighting them on the outskirts, out in the trees. They look like some of your men, led by the bartender, have returned. And they are fighting the uh, remaining dwarves out in the woods. I assume he's not using his bow. No. He is using his... <laughs> He is using his bow just as a blunt force weapon. <laughs> he definitely could be doing better. Echo, your turn. <clears throat> I uh, take a step back. And again, I do the same flourish with my rapier. Because mm-hmm. it obviously doesn't count unless it's dramatic. Yeah. Oh, God. And that's a uh, 16 plus, what do we say, 9? Oh, that's a mm-hmm. hit. Yep, so it's a hit. Ooh. 6 plus 12 damage. Yeah. He's dead. I want to kill him by doing my flourish. And when I lunge at him, I want to like stab all the way through his chest and then lean into him and then whisper in his ear, Echo, Echo, Echo. <laughs> <laughs> Twang. So you defeated him. You look up to see uh, your compatriots running and coming down. Um, your compatriots coming down the lift and pointing out towards the forest. You look behind you to see some of your uh, brethren in the forest uh, surrounding, uh, fighting some of the remaining dwarves, though they seem to have the dwarves on the run. You do hear some clanging of metal as you see high up in the trees your dear sister engage in a one-on-one blade combat with a fierce-looking The 2v1? Yeah. Well, he can't really see the possum. (laughs) Nor would I count the possum. Yeah. Um, And so this brings horror to your heart because you are not used to seeing her in one-on-one matches of strength like this. Or sober. Yeah, or sober. You know, she's not sober. I'm not sober. <laughs> the orc is all in her mind. She's been up there just hacking away at the tree this whole time. So if it's 100 feet right above me, is that reasonable that I can at least take a pot shot from my bow from the bottom? Um, yeah, you can take a pot shot okay. at a disadvantage. Yep. I'm gonna just kind of lob an arrow up there. Sure. Uh, eight or uh, five plus sixteen. Uh, sixteen. Yep, that's a hit. That's six plus twelve damage. Nice. You see an arrow come straight through his side. And he's ah, and you see uh, you hear the familiar yet annoying sound you've grown to know over the years, like whisper off from a distance. Toy. <laughs> I take my second attack. So 16 or a 18, so 27 to hit. You hit. Seven damage. All right. This thing, he catches it right in the back of the neck, and it comes out the front, and he starts bleeding, and he reaches out to you to try and grab onto you to say something. You have a moment to say something or do something to this orc before he falls off the stairway. And his final final breaths before death's clutches grasp him i was like have you ever tried red caps before <laughs> and i taught and i put one in his mouth <laughs> right before he dies he put the red cap in his in his uh behind his lip and just like let him fall backwards as he falls falls as he falls falls as he falls and starts Screaming and shouting. Uh, 
you think he's dead before he hits the ground, but he hits the ground with a big splash, um, falling probably you know the eighty feet down to the uh, down to the floor. You guys have fended off the attackers. You guys have survived. Uh, close. How much hit points you guys have left? Eight. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. So you got some good berry action. You got eight hit points left. Your compatriots did really well. Better than I imagined, actually. They had a couple crit rolls, and most of them hit all the time. All right. Uh, is there anything you guys would like to do before um, you guys send word to your father that the uh, the Keebler Forest has been uh, protected? I imagine that I would, I would make make my way up the stairs of the elevator and stand next to my sister overlooking the ruined husk of the thousands upon thousands year old staircase that we burned down (laughs) and just shit who's gonna tell dad (laughs) (laughs) and then so what i do at that point is i cast plant growth on the bottom of the staircase if i cast this long enough and as many times we can make our own new staircase so for the next so for the next day or two before as your father and the rest venture back you spent tireless days and nights growing the plants up from the ground to where there was an old ancient wood staircase is now a beautiful vine stairway that leads from the ground all the way back up to the tree. Uh, some would say a market improvement, but uh, your father is not very pleased. Well, as of the publishing of this episode, Kellogg has not found a buyer for Keebler yet, but when they do, I hope it's at least as hallucinogenic, if not more so, than this one was. Thanks to our pawns, Jordan Parker, for sitting in and giving us the fair hair siblings. Headlined Tables, created by me, Christopher Patton, and Dungeon Master Wes Lytle. All the background music you hear in this show is by Kevin McLeod, and you can hear more of his awesome stuff at incompetech.com. <laughs>